Good morning, everybody. How are you? Anne's fine. Thanks, Anne. I hope everyone else is as good as Anne is this morning. I hope you're living your best life. Um, it's been a, uh, an interesting season, hasn't it? But wasn't last weekend wonderful? Did you enjoy it? Wasn't there a life and a joy that I don't think we've possibly experienced for a little while? You know, I think the COVID pandemic has taught us a lot. And I wrote a little bit about this uh, in this week's uh, messenger comment. I think it's, a, it's shown us a lot about human perseverance in, in the face of suffering and challenge. Uh, but I think, I think it's also shown us the effect of a confined, constricted life. A life stripped of many freedoms and comforts that we would normally have enjoyed. During the pandemic, work changed, relationships changed, family life changed, school changed, even shopping changed. Everything changed, didn't it? Now, for some people, this was more serious than it was for others. I have a friend whose father passed away overseas, or I should say promoted to glory overseas, but he was unable to go to the funeral or to manage much of the funeral arrangements because he couldn't leave the country. So, it's been more serious for some than others. But I think for almost all of us, suddenly our, our lives were turned upside down and it felt like life was slowly draining out of us. And it didn't matter how much Netflix we watched, I tried. It was still the same. Even though we also had the ability to Zoom with people, to video chat, that was exciting for a couple of weeks, wasn't it? Look, it was fantastic, but... And it was great being able to chat to work colleagues and teachers and friends and family and all that sort of stuff, but we still felt an emptiness of life in a very different and powerful way. I think one of the upside-down kind of benefits of this was that we have a new appreciation for what it means to have a full life. We, we now appreciate relationships in a new way. We appreciate our friends and our family, our church, in a new way. We appreciate our ability to move around freely in new ways. We, we find ourselves appreciating even our work in new ways. I feel like this is an interesting comparison, a metaphor, a parable of our lives as human beings. Right back in the beginning, Human beings were good, open and free. And it was turned all upside down, shut down and restricted, if you like. And then Jesus came and turned the world right side up, bringing us freedom again, which felt doubly good last weekend, when many of the freedoms returned from, uh, from COVID at the same time as we celebrated our spiritual freedom. I think it was an interesting duality there. Wonderful. Well, let's, uh, I want to take a trip, like Jesus was saying, and he'll explain the words of Moses and the prophets and so on. So, let's go back to Genesis chapter 1 to see what this is all about. 
perhaps to frame it in a way we've not talked about before. Genesis chapter 1, verse 27 and 28. So God created man in His own image. In the image of God, He created him. Male and female, He created them. And God blessed them, and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. We were made to be images of God, living in relationship with God and each other, taking responsibility for the earth in God's place. He delegated that responsibility to us. We, humans, live together in harmony with each other and with God. We had life, we had perfect, uh, sorry, we had purpose. And as perfect images of God, we had real freedom. But, like the COVID pandemic, a pandemic of shame struck humanity, turning everything upside down. And the result, the fallout through all of history, has been a restricted life. One far less full than the one we had before. One far less full than what was intended by God in creation. We became less than perfect images of God, and as a result, we lost our real freedom. So let me talk for a second about what it means to be images of God. Uh, did, did you hear the story, June, July, August last year, um, COVID restrictions were beginning to um, be eased in New York at this particular time, I think they came and went. And one restaurant in Brooklyn decided that they would partner with Madame Tussauds Waxwork Music. Do we know Madame Tussauds? Do we know what waxwork figures are? And they decided that they would have some waxwork figures come and sit in their restaurant with the other patrons. Wax figures of John Hamm, Michael Strawn, Jimmy Fallon, Al Roker and Audrey Hepburn all made appearances and I don't know what to think about that. How would you feel if you went to a restaurant and there is a static Audrey Hepburn just kind of sitting there? Anyone want to put your hand up? Is that creepy or cool? Creepy? Who else? Who's hands up for creepy? Cool? Wow, righto, we'll have a, a poll or something, those of you online can perhaps comment underneath and tell us whether you think that was creepy or cool, but anyway, wax figures are great, right? They're really interesting to me because they are incredibly good 3D images of the people they represent. Or most of them are pretty good. I've seen some pretty horrible ones. Has anyone been to, you know, some random waxwork museum and found really dodgy waxworks. Anyone been to those? Yeah. Well, you see, when God made us in His image, it means He made us as biological beings, not waxworks, but biological beings as representations of God, to show what God is like. Of course, we're not physically like God. God doesn't have arms, legs, necks and knees and all that other stuff. That's not what it means. It means we love like God loves. We, we bring life and colour and fullness to the world the way God would. 
And God gave us some of His authority and we exercise that authority in taking care of the earth the way God would. We are operating according to His will. That's what the Bible talks about. When we, uh, when in, in Genesis 1, 2, He talks about, you know, Adam's given the job of naming the animals naming their animals, understanding their patterns of behaviour, understanding them and, and taking care of them. That's the role of human beings. So, just like those waxwork figures show us what the actors and celebrities are like, we, images of God, show what God is like. And that is all going very well, it was all perfect we were images acting and operating exactly the way God intended. We had lives full of meaning, purpose and joy, but then we ate, the Bible tells us, we ate from the fruit of the, no the, fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. I don't know if you've heard this story, but it's recorded in Genesis chapter 3 and you can read the whole story um, another time. But let me just read from verse 4. The serpent said to the woman, well, you won't die. God knows that the moment you eat from that tree, you'll see what's really going on. And you'll be just like God, knowing everything, ranging in all the way from good to evil. When the woman saw that the tree looked like good eating, and she realized that she would, what she would get out of it, she'd know everything. She took and ate the fruit, and then gave some to her husband, and he ate, and immediately the two of them did see what was really going on. They saw themselves naked. They sewed fig leaves together as makeshift clothes for themselves. And then when they heard God strolling in the garden in the evening breeze, the man and his wife hid in the trees of the garden, hid from God. The story tells us that we believed that we could assume the place of God, that we could take upon ourselves the right to decide what's good, what's bad, what's right, what's wrong, what's proper and evil and blah, blah, blah. We could decide from ourselves what we wanted to do, what was good and what was evil. We were stupid because the first thing we did was we looked at ourselves and we decided, that's bad. We made clothes out of fig leaves and we hid. We were struck with shame. We looked at ourselves and were restricted. Our lives covered up. And when God came by for a chat, we went into lockdown behind the trees and whatever. Now, I just want to point out, this is not an advertisement for nudism. That's, that's on you. It's not what it's about. The ancient theologians and philosophers who wrote this down were using nakedness as a metaphor, as they so often do. Being naked is a metaphor for those who are feeling exposed, vulnerable and ashamed. They're trying to explain how our lives got turned upside down and we started avoiding God and each other. And the reality is that this shame, this deep inner sense that we are exposed, vulnerable, flawed, need to hide is a disease. It's a disease, probably like COVID. Once it's appeared, it's never going to leave. It's a disease that everyone gets pretty much from birth. It's the way we are, it's the way the humans are. 
It results in restrictions to life, self-imposed, restrictions to relationships. It affects mental health, physical well-being, spiritual vitality. That's why it's known also as the curse of sin. So all of a sudden, the way we represented God wasn't as perfect as it had once been. Instead of representing God, we sometimes chose for ourselves what was right and wrong, so we sometimes represented ourselves instead of God. We didn't simply obey God's every direction, we exercised our free will and it hurt us. We are still representatives, we are still images of God, but it's like, to go back to the waxwork thing, it's like we've been melted slightly, you know? We've been up or scratched. Maybe part of us is bent or broken. Easter? Easter is a celebration of Jesus breaking that curse. Breaking the curse of shame and turning the world the right way up. Turning our lives the right way up. Through His divine suffering and sacrifice and death, He proves that He doesn't find our broken, scratched, melted state as grotesque, detestable or unacceptable. He loves us, so much so that He's willing to go through all of that for us. It's interesting, because if you read what was written about Jesus, if you read, particularly you analyse the trials that Jesus went through, both with Pilate and with the chief priests earlier than that, you'll see He was completely innocent. There was no other reason for him to go through what he went through. And, and at a number of points, he could have spoken up, cleared himself pretty simply, and avoided it. He could have avoided the excruciating pain, humiliation, and death. There, there was absolutely no other reason why he went through with it. Other than he wanted to. He knew we needed it. He knew the curse was so strong that only death could break it. Only death could prove how much God loved us, regardless of all that had happened to us in our lives. That's what people need to know. That's what people need to hear. Even, you know, even after all COVID measures are lifted all around the world, there will still be people living a lockdown kind of life. We want them to know that they are of infinite value and worth and God wants them to live a full life. Life in all its fullness. No matter how melted, scratched, warped they feel, they are loved by God pure and simple. So Jesus says, uh, you know, what, what are we called to do? This is the week after Easter, we've, we've just spent four weeks looking at the different ways that Jesus turned the world right side up for people, experiencing ourselves again, the way He turned it right side up for us. And our challenge is to spread the good news. Let's look at what Jesus said to His disciples uh, from Luke. Now, 
you must go into all the nations and preach grace and forgiveness of sins so that they will turn to me. Start right here in Jerusalem, for you are my witnesses and you've seen for yourselves all that's gone on. I'll send the fulfillment of the Father's promise to you, so stay here in the city until you are clothed with mighty power from heaven. So, as we finish up, I want to just bring out three points to this instructions, three instructions that Jesus gives in this final commission. First, go everywhere and tell people about the grace and the forgiveness of God. I'm a big fan of St. Francis of Assisi, you can uh, go check out the wiki article for him, Uh, but he once said to one of his students, go, preach the gospel, and if you have to, use words. You see, our actions and, and our words have to tell people about the grace and the forgiveness of God. You know, a bit like Madame Tussaud's waxworks in that restaurant, we're not to be creepy, but we are encouraged to get out of our museum, out of our comfort zones, and to go to places where people are, and simply represent the one in whose image we are formed. So, be the one that tells people of the grace and forgiveness of God. Secondly, be witnesses to what we've experienced. Jesus encouraged His followers to talk about what happened, the things they witnessed as they hung around with Jesus. We are also called to talk about what we've seen, what we've learned, the experiences we've had as we've walked with God. I'm not talking about preaching or or speaking, although if you're interested in that, come and see me and I'll see, we'll have a go. I'm not talking about a speech or a preach. I'm talking about chatting with friends and family over meaningful things. Things going on for us, things going on in our soul, things that we're learning, things that we're wrestling with. Probably recommend you do it over coffee and if you have to, tea. Coffee is much more spiritual than tea. But his final instruction... Wait for the fulfillment of the Father's promise to you. This is the promised Holy Spirit, which they finally understood and realized and accepted on Pentecost Sunday, which is uh, an event which we will celebrate again in just four weeks, five weeks. So I encourage you to put that in your diary, make sure you're here for that. It's a bit hard to explain, but as we learn and believe together, God's spiritual self becomes a part of us, filling our soul in a way that it's never been filled before. And from within ourselves, we are given a growing sense of the truth of who God is and His love for us. We are given an increasing sense of how we should live our best lives. So, this week... I challenge you to go everywhere, put yourself a little bit out of your comfort zone and be an image of God in places. I encourage you to witness to what you've experienced in your spiritual life over conversations with friends or family. 
Talk about things that are meaningful over tea or coffee or something. And in all things, rely on the Spirit deep within. Search for the Spirit. Ask for His influence in your life. I wonder if you'd stand with me and we'll pray to finish our uh, meeting time. Father God, fill us with your love that it might cascade into the ordinariness of our working lives. May our friends, family and others experience your acceptance spreading from us. May our words and actions be an unbroken stream of refreshment to all that it touches. Jesus, help us with simple words to explain the warmth within our hearts that we experience when we encounter your love and grace. And Holy Spirit, burn bright within us that others in their own journeys of discovery might reach out and encounter you through us. This we pray in your name. Amen. Amen.